Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is Brian Lehrer's Daily Politics Podcast from WNYC Studios. It's Tuesday, September 19th. I'm Bridget Bergen, senior reporter in the WNYC and Gothamist newsroom, filling in for Brian today. President Biden is expected to speak this morning at the United Nations here in Manhattan to a gathering of leaders from across the globe. It's his third speech to the U.N. as president. Beyond talking about what he considers his administration's achievements, The New York Times reports that he's planning to make the central focus of the speech the need to protect democracies. It's easy to imagine that a speech may focus on the challenges being faced by democracies elsewhere and problems across the globe, the war in Ukraine, struggling economies in the global south. But with a presidential election looming next year, the health of American democracy is just as much a concern. Polls show President Biden and former President Trump in a virtual dead heat. A Siena poll out just this morning shows a plurality of voters, 34 percent, say Neither President Biden nor former President Donald Trump is fit to serve another four-year term as the nation's next president. A lot going on there. Uh, Beyond the top of the ticket, there will be battles for control of Congress and state legislatures next year. And even before all of that, there are elections this November here in New York City. There are some dynamic city council races in Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. And if you've been following any of the news that Mayor Adams wants to make some very deep cuts to the city budget. Remember, those city council members are right on the front lines of that budget process. So more about those contests at another point. I want to start things off today by asking a question that's really one of about a fundamental building block of our democracy. And that is, are you ready to vote? Are you registered? Do you understand the laws here in New York and across the country that may affect where and when and how you cast your ballot? And very important, the generally mundane but recently politicized process for counting those votes. I have two guests to help us unpack those extremely vital questions. Andrea Haley is the CEO of the nonpartisan nonprofit Vote.org. She and her team are experts on the rules of voter registration for every state in the country. Andrea, welcome to WNYC. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm also joined by Sean Morales-Doyle, director of the Brennan Center's Voting Rights Program. Sean, always great to talk to you. Welcome back to WNYC. Thanks. Great to be here. So, Andrea... I failed to mention that today is actually a holiday. Um, it's happy. I, I want to wish you a happy National Voter Registration Day and to all the others who celebrate. Um, every year since 2012, civic organizations have made today, September 19th, a day to register voters across the country. I'm wondering, what do you see as the opportunity for a day like today? Well, yes, happy National Voter Registration Day. <laughs> It's a big celebration over here at Vote.org. We are the largest partner of National Voter Registration Day. And there's a huge opportunity ahead. We have 
8 million young people across the country that are turning 18. Um, we have millions of people who are eligible to register right now who haven't registered yet. Um, so, you know, we know that United States is, you know, one of the few countries out there where you have a separate registration process from voting process. And it's important that everyone out there, you know, go to vote.org, check their registration and get ready to participate. Not only do we have, you know, elections that are, um, literally happening, you know, right now, but we have a huge presidential year coming up and it's important that everybody makes sure that they know dates and deadlines and that they register. But a day like today um, reminds us that we can celebrate the joy of, you know, civic participation, the joy of having a democracy and access to the ballot box and that we can, it's a good reminder to get friends and family involved and, and to bring it to everyone's consciousness that we have, um, you know, that we have to be out here and exercise our, our right to vote and exercise our voice and, and that we can do so and make it fun. So can you talk a little bit about what your organization is doing on the ground, um, some of the you know outreach that you're doing, some of the partnerships you have going on today? Absolutely. Um, today, we're launching registration project um, in five states. We are on college campuses, especially all across um, the, the South, we, uh, t today, but we also have a, you know, larger national program where we're, we work with companies and influencers and schools, um, to remind people to register to vote, to check their registration. Um, we, we're really excited to, to launch our, our large, um, uh, project on registering 8 million people and on ramping them into our uh, democracy. So last presidential election cycle at vote.org, we registered um, about 4 million people. So we have wow. big ambitions this year. Um, and I think for us, you know, the organization, our aim is to simplify engagement. You can go on your phone, check your registration within two minutes, register if you need to um, send the link to your friends and family so that they can register themselves to vote. And I think, um, you know, that's, that's part of the big work, but we're excited to launch, you know, on campuses all across the country today. Yeah, absolutely. And Sean, I want to get you into this conversation. We're going to talk um, about some of your recent research about potential threats facing our elections here in New York and elsewhere. But we've seen a lot of major changes to our election laws, particularly in New York. Um, are there some changes that make you feel optimistic about who can more easily engage with democracy in the Empire State? Yeah, I think New York has made a lot of progress in, um, you know, really the last four years. Uh, for a long time, New York was way behind the rest of the country in the types of uh, policies that we have on the books to help voters. But um, the last few years, we've moved forward dramatically. That includes finally having early voting, like almost all of the rest of the country. Um, <laughs> it, it includes uh, passage of automatic voter registration, although that's not yet in effect. It includes restoring voting rights to people with um, convictions in their past as soon as they're released from prison. Um, and the legislature uh, passed a number of laws this year um, that are, you know, still not have not yet become law because uh, they're they're awaiting the governor's signature. Um, but um, they they really every year have continued to make progress on expanding access um, and and making the voting process more smooth. Andrea, you mentioned that Vote.org actually has a target of registering 8 million voters. That's double the number you registered um, in the previous presidential election. How did you land on that figure and, and how are you tracking it? 
Absolutely. Um, so part of what we do, um, we're excited to launch a really ambitious program this year to register 8 million people throughout the nation. And we are able to track all of that through our platform and digital tools on the back end. So if you go to vote.org and you register to vote, um, we're able to see um, immediately that you've you know registered. We can, you know, we can literally... Um, you know, count how many people on this. So at the end of the day today, we'll be looking at what was the impact of National Voter Registration Day? How many people were we able to inspire and to, you know, get to check their registration or to register to vote? And then we also have partners like the partner that you just heard where they will use our tools and we'll be able to see how many people did they, um, you know, register to vote using vote.org technology. And so it's pretty um you know, it's an exciting uh, day and we're able to track in real time um, the the impact of the work that we do. We also this morning, Taylor Swift posted vote.org for National Voter Registration Day. Um, and she used a link where we're able to actually personalize links so that when people, um, with, when influencers post, we can see exactly who they motivated and, and where and how many um, people participated. So that's, you know, lots of exciting stuff um, to come. But we really wanted to double down on our efforts from the last presidential election. We were really excited to see that we had record high turnout in the United States of America for the last presidential. Um, and we think that even with that, we can do better. Um, that as a country, we can really get to the point where we have 80% record turnout in this country. That's the dream. And wow. so here we know that to even come close to realizing that dream, what we have to do is make sure everybody is registered. Everybody knows the rules in their state. Everybody knows how they can participate. Um, and that we really have to knock down um, that barrier to, to entry. So it starts with registration and then we will follow through and communicate with voters all the way through to election day hmm. um, to make sure that we get people out um, out to vote. We'll send we send text message alerts and emails um, after people register to let them know, hey, your election is now three weeks away. It's two weeks away. You can do it in person right now. You could here's the date to mail in your ballot. You know whatever the rules are in that particular state, we'll follow the voter all the way through and make sure registration turns into um, showing up at the ballot box. Audrey, I have to I have to slow you down and rewind because did I hear you say that Taylor Swift um, is is part of your voter uh, engagement efforts today? And and I think what that does is it, it makes me wonder kind of do you tailor some of your outreach to different segments of the population in different ways? Is is the use of someone who's, you know, such an influence, influential figure um, among many, uh, the type of voice that can help you encourage people to register and to participate? That's right. Um, Taylor Swift, if you go look on her Instagram stories right now, um, posted this morning about Vote.org. And it reminds me that um, if, you know, as busy as Taylor is on tour right now, um, she's taking time out for civic engagement and to motivate others. And that for me, that inspiration is something that we can all do, no matter how busy our days are, we can stop and remember to check our registration and to remind everyone out there. I think one of our strategies at Vote.org is to meet people where they already are. It's so helpful um, when influencers use their platforms um, for good and for, you know, 
um, giving people messages about how they can access the vote. And everyone is an influencer, whether you have millions of followers like Taylor Swift or whether you have, you know, a couple of thousand on our campus program um, today that we're launching. We have a lot of peer to peer engagement where people who have larger followings, students who have larger followings on campus are putting up registration dates and deadlines and encouraging people to register to vote. So it's important to remember that um, we're, we are all influencers. But yes, we believe in hmm. meeting people you know, where they already are, whether that's a classmate they follow, whether that's, you know, we worked with WhatsApp to build a WhatsApp voter resource bot. So whether that's in the WhatsApp chats or in the past, we've worked with all sorts of companies um, to, you know, for them to put voter registration um, digital tools that vote.org builds into, you know, on their platforms, their websites, um, things like that. We'll, we'll, we'll meet people where they already are with the That's information great. they need to participate. Sean, this is the first presidential election since the January 6th insurrection. Um, you write about the election denial movement uh, launched by some of the supporters of the former president to cast doubt on the outcome of the 2020 election. And you know, quote, this election denial movement has spread beyond Trump and reached into state and local elections, fueled by conspiracy theories about mail voting, drop boxes, election officials, poll workers, and ballot counting. What are some of the steps that you think need to be taken to counteract this kind of misinformation and disinformation? Well, it's not an easy thing. I want to start by saying that. It, it is, you know, misinformation and disinformation are powerful things. Uh, and we have a lot of folks in this country that are sort of locked into their view and listen to the people who they listen to. But the most important thing we can do to counteract misinformation and disinformation is put out accurate information um, and to have trusted sources putting out that accurate information and getting it out uh, as widely as possible. So we should be looking to, you know, the people who run our elections for the information about our elections. We should be looking to other trusted sources. Um, that means, secondly, actually investing in the people who run our elections. It means mm. improving election administration. Um, it means providing folks with training and written guidance and investing money in the equipment and the security and everything else that um, that we need to run elections. And that's especially critical right now where this election denier movement, you know, so much of what it um, it it changed was this focus, this negative focus on election officials, the people who are often, you know, the heroes who were the heroes in 2020 of running an election during a pandemic, um, but usually operated in the background. Um, this election denier movement just launched this unprecedented level of harassment and abuse mm. and criticism and um, nastiness aimed at election officials and election workers. And the result of that has been a mass exodus. Uh, these folks are leaving office. You know, these are not high paid jobs. They're not glamorous jobs um, and they're not easy jobs. And it's hard to do them in a regular election year. But when you have people making death threats, um, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine um, withstanding that to run our election. So folks are leaving and now we have a bunch of, um, you know, inexperienced election officials uh, filling the void. Unfortunately, in some places we have election deniers filling the void, but in places where we have folks who are there in good faith and want to do the job, we need to give them the support and the resources that they need 
um, to actually do that job. Sure. Uh, Andrea, you have spoken out in the past about the need for better regulations on some social media platforms, including uh, some emerging tools like Threads. And that's, of course, Facebook's parent company Meta's response to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. Um, What kind of response have you seen so far to some of the calls for making sure that misinformation is clearly identified on a platform like that? Yes. Um, you know, we were so excited to see the growth of threads. It took off and became one of the fastest growing um, platforms of all time. Yet we were really dismayed that right away they didn't start to announce how they would, you know, address um, misinformation with and disinformation with a uh, with an election cycle coming up. Um, we did call on Meta to clarify their policies, and they eventually clarified that the policies would be the same as those on Facebook. But I think it's really important for you know tech platforms to proactively start to think about what their role in uh, healthy and thriving democracy is, and how they're going to counter misinformation. What we saw, you know, just a few months ago, is that across the board, many of these platforms started to lay off the very content teams that would identify misinformation and disinformation um, ahead of the election cycle. And that has me, you know, gravely concerned. I think your budgets show your priorities. Um, and so I really want to, you know, I, I'm hopeful that ahead of this presidential election, people will start to show us that they are prioritizing um you know, addressing this. And I think that right now we're also seeing when we look into future election cycles, I'm concerned about um, the combination of AI and disinformation and what that can really mean if we don't have um, great, you know, both proactive thought from tech platforms on this and regulation. Uh, Andrea, I I mentioned today was a holiday, National Voter Registration Day, hooray. but I can imagine hearing some of these concerns about the safety of our elections might, might be disconcerting to voters. Um, I also know that you have done a lot of work to get voters to turn out. So how do you address some of these concerns and make your pitch to turn some of those folks who, you know, take the time to register today to turn out when it comes to the actual election day? I think the thing is exactly what we're doing, which is you have to find a spirit of joy, of celebration, of care for your community, your, you know, your neighborhood, your street, your local school. Um, And you have to realize that the decisions you make when you show up to vote and the decision you make to vote um, is going to affect the people that you love and that you care about and, and that you Um, you know, it's going to affect the policies by which we are, you know, all governed. So I think when you come to voting in a spirit of celebration, it becomes easier to kind of stave off the, the negative. I think, you know, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. um, And in the last presidential election cycle, I was out there standing, they opened five early voting uh, spots for over a million people. And I had to stand out there in early voting wow. um, day after day in seven hour lines, just like everyone else until eventually um, the city started to realize um, or there was increased awareness brought to some of the issues and they started opening additional um, sites after, you know, after people were incensed. But I think the thing that got me to continue to show up um, until I could actually cast my ballot was that I wasn't going to let anything get in my way. I know that there are people out there who are trying to, you know, take out 
percentages of the population, death by a thousand paper cuts, 10,000 voters here, 20,000 voters there, another 15,000 voters over here and, and reshape the electorate. Um, but, you know, for me, I have a little bit of a fighting spirit. No one's going to uh, take away my voice or my access. So mm-hmm. I think the way to overcome all of this is to show up, find community to show up with you, you know, bring your partners, your friends, your family um, to the polls, like have have a ha, have a come but come from a spirit of optimism because sure. the way to protect democracy really rests with all of us. I just want to get a final word from each of you really briefly. Um, is there something you feel like you'd like to see change to help improve how the media reports on democracy and elections? Uh, Andrea, once you start and then Sean, you can finish this off. What an excellent question. How the media reports. Yes, I mean, I would like to see exactly what we're doing here. I'd like love to see um, conversations about registration and about you know the voting processes themselves elevated all throughout our country. I would love to see. Um, I would love to see it become a priority, not just in the you know couple of weeks before an election, but I'd love for us to be talking about these things um, year round and gather as much attention on it um, as we can year round. And I would you know love to see people not repeat you know negative things that they're um, you know seeing over and over again. And like you know, it's very we have to really draw a line at at um, reporting out sure. things exactly as they are happening. So, Sean, what about you? Uh, I agree with with those points. I think that um, to that last point, you know, we we often in recent years have started talking about the rules of elections and how they work um, in response to people making up nonsense, <laughs> uh, making up lies and spreading lies about the way that our elections work. And that sort of defensive, reflexive posture uh, is not is not great. Uh, I think the it, it it would be great if there was more reporting in a sort of proactive, positive way about how our elections work. Um, this is gets back to this point about how the best way to counter the disinformation is to put the accurate information out there. Mm. And then I think the you know after the elections are over, um, the way that the results are reported on is this sort of you know horse race um, narrative that I think has played somewhat into these uh, false uh, narratives and and conspiracy theories about our elections because it suggests that, you know, someone's in the lead and then they're overtaken after the polls have closed when really it's just about, um, you know, when we get to different types of ballots and when the counting is happening. Sure. Um, so I think I, I will say I think that the the media by and large has gotten better at both of those things. And there was a lot of work on the way into the 2020 election to make people sort of um, understand what things were going to look like post-election. But obviously it it wasn't enough to stop the conspiracy theories from um, (laughs) taking hold. So I think we still have work to do. Absolutely. Well, I know uh, that this is a place, uh, WNYC and this show, where we are committed to doing that work. And I want to thank you both for joining me, doing some of that work this morning. Andrea Haley is CEO of Vote.org. And Sean Morales-Doyle is the director of the Brennan Center's Voting Rights Program. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.